welcome back to the punt return. Ryan Lepore, welcome back to the show. What a wild, wild, wild card weekend we just saw. Uh, looking forward to a divisional round, but uh, thoughts on that incredible first playoff week? Yeah, it was it was certainly a big one, wasn't it? We had um, six massive games spread out over three days, and five of them were blowouts. We had one, you know, really close game. Obviously, that um, that Detroit LA Rams game, which you know set up to be one of the games of the week, if not um, definitely, you know, the closest game on paper, and it, and it delivered. And then, of course, um, we saw a few blowouts um, the rest of the games, including um, you know the finale. Um, it started with a blowout, finished with a blowout, and there were some pretty poor games in between, to be honest. But, um, yeah, some big talking points come out of it, as always. Definitely, definitely. Well, why don't we start where the weekend started? And you can look at this game two ways. You can look at it as if the Cleveland Browns browned once again. Or you can look at it as CJ Stroud became a man in the NFL. And that was some performance. Yeah, it really was, and you know it was huge. Props goes to that Houston Texans offensive line. It did did the job. They um, protected CJ. Um, you know the Browns' pass rush, which we know is one of the best in the league, if not the best, just couldn't get near him. Couldn't really lay a hand on him. Miles Garrett was completely kept in check. Larry Tunsil had a, a huge game, um, but yeah, look, CJ Stroud. You know you can't say enough about this guy. Youngest quarterback ever to win a game, a playoff game. Um, you know, a near-perfect passer rating. And funnily enough, we'll, we'll obviously talk about him straight after this or, you know, very soon. Jordan Love and him had pretty much identical identical games in terms of the statistics um, um, in their in their playoff de- debut, de- debuts. Fuck, it's not even a tricky word. I'm struggling. But, yeah, look, see, it was it was phenomenal effort. And, you know, you know the Texans are... Um, it was funny because... They did it on defense as well. I mean, you, you, we know Joe Flacco's had a, a fantastic, um, you know, six weeks or so or whatever it has been in Cleveland Brown colors, but he's, he's been throwing a lot of picks. I think in his five or so games, he still had eight interceptions. Uh, we know he had a lot more touchdowns, but we know Flacco's always been prone to those picks, but to throw them, you know, back to back, you know, that, that killed the game clearly. And, um, the Texans defense stepped up, you know, they, um, I looked at the stats and, you know, they'd been pretty quiet on the turnover front, especially with interceptions. They only had six in the regular season, which was last amongst all teams. So 32nd in interceptions going into two of the playoffs and then they get um, two on back-to-back plays that resulted in um, touchdowns. So phenomenal effort from the Texans, huge effort to win that game and completely blow away the Browns, um, you know, as, as outsiders in... Um, you know, a really young team, as we know. And, you know, Nico Collins is, is kind of just coming of age as well. He's now a third-year pro, but he, he's getting better and better every week. And, and that chemistry that him and Stroud seem to have. And then, um, you know, Devin Singletary has been really, really the lead back for most of that season. And he's, you know, he's had that veteran experience come in. And, um, yeah, it was a phenomenal win by the Texans. And, yeah, can't speak highly enough for them. I think their journey does end, though, in Baltimore. But, you know, funnier things have happened. We know um, Lamar hasn't been, you know, amazing in playoff games yet. One and three over his career. And and the sky's the limit for CJ Stroud. So, you know, who who knows? Who knows? But it'll be a it'll be history for the Texans who have never made a, a an AFC championship game and have never won a road game in the playoffs either, the, the Texans. So um, a lot on the line as they head into divisional round this weekend. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, the matchups coming up a, a little bit later on because there are there's an interesting stat that I want to touch on uh, when when we look at at the weekend. Um, I did want to ask you one question. It was it was kind of thrown around on social media a little bit during the week, but CJ Stroud. Someone, so I saw someone tweet that CJ Stroud is what Trevor Lawrence was meant to be, and it's an interesting. I mean, obviously, we're one season in compared to three seasons in, um, and you know, Trevor Lawrence had a sensational year last year. Obviously, a bit of regression this year, and whether that's a franchise thing or a player thing or a coaching thing or, or whatever, I'm not sure yet. But I mean, the, the sky really is the limit for CJ Stroud and and this Texans team. And I think we spoke about last week that it almost didn't matter if they won that game or not because I think they've proved they've proven the doubters wrong and I think that the steps that they made to improve their franchise over the last kind of 12 months have been medium to long term steps they haven't taken the shortcut route to you know to win now this is all the all the things that they've done they've done in terms of winning in the medium to long term and so they didn't need to win this week um, and again, I don't think they need to win this coming week to, to, to prove anything anymore. We know now they've proven that they're, they're a pretty good team. And I think that they've shown that this team can be a really good team for a while. Um, you know, they've got some more assets coming in this off season. Uh, it's a really exciting time to be, to be a Texans fan for the first time in, in, you know, four or five years. For sure. And you know, they, they hit rock bottom. They were the laughing stock of the league for for a fair while there, well, for a few seasons, especially after the whole Deshaun Watson inc- um, incidents, obviously Bill O'Brien kind of lost that locker room, and they they became they were you know a really solid team, winning divisions with JJ Watt, and then you know they they completely fell away and and hit rock bottom. But the rebuild has been so quick, um, and it just shows you what you can do with a with a you know good drafting and obviously. A really, really smart hire in D'Amico Ryan's, who's, who's mm. totally turned that franchise around, and um, you know, given him that that hard edge, and just he just seems like such a, you know, I mean, we we know he was a fantastic player, but he just has he's got that great demeanor, he's got that great um, positive attitude, and you know, a very well respected coach and and player from the in the league past. But then, like like we just said, you can't speak highly highly enough of of CJ Stroud and. I really like that tweet. I think that's probably bang on. I know Trevor Lawrence came into the league as probably the highest, you know, touted quarterback in in a long, long time. But he came into a really, really bad situation in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer head coach, and we know how that kind of turned out in his debut season. But God, it was a bad year for Trevor Lawrence. That I, I kind of banged on about last week. But on the other on the other shoe, I mean, CJ Stroud just completely dominated this year really I mean mm. for a guy in his rookie campaign to just to be arguably top three top five quarterback in yeah. the league is, is just phenomenal and um, like I said the sky's the limit and it and it must must kill all the Panthers fans seeing just the mm. the, the rise of CJ Stroud and you know what what capital draft capital the Panthers gave up um, to acquire that to jump up to the number one pick. So, you know, that could have been them and, you know, could be talking a very different story about both those franchises. But um, they've done it now and they're, they're the king of Texas. They're the, clearly the best team in Texas. 
For sure, for <laughs> sure, without a doubt. I mean, the, the the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Um, but in in all seriousness, though, I mean, the, the fact that a, a rookie QB at a team that you know looked so far off being a playoff team twelve months ago uh, could potentially get MVP votes in his first season. Uh, obviously, great situation in that regard, and there isn't a standout. QB, we know it's a QB award, but there isn't a standout guy who's done it year year long, um, and so it is a it is a bit more wide open than than it usually is. Um, but if any if any time a, a rookie QB can get votes in in the MVP awards this year, right with with CJ, um, it's just yeah, like I said, really exciting time to be a a Texans fan, and and long may it continue that they remain the best team in Texas. Um, Talk about the best team and the, I guess the difference between good and bad. Um, the Buffalo Bills about seven weeks ago were in danger of not making the playoffs. In fact, I think you were yeah. almost convinced that the Buffalo Bills were not going to make the playoffs. Went on a heater, won the division, dominated the first week of the playoffs. Oh, it, was, it was a phenomenal first quarter to kind of set the game up and really you know, got themselves into an unlosable position. But, you know, when the score got to 21-14, I, I certainly got squeaky bum. And it was, we, we could not move the ball for a good period there uh, in the middle of the game. And um, eventually, obviously, we had that long drive to cap off the win and and seal it. But, yeah, it got, got very nerve-wracking um, for a team that looked, you know, like they'd just sail, they'd just sail into the... To the divisional round um, with ease, but the Steelers put up a good fight, and you know they're going to under under Mike Tomlin. But you know Mason Rudolph showed a lot of ticker. Um, they kept coming, uh, the Steelers, and and they proved something. You know, probably, you know, they're, they're still obviously a couple of pieces away from being a, a dominant side and, and saying that they had their very best player not there. And it, you know, things could have been very different with um, TJ Watt on that side on the other side of the field. But um, Josh Allen completely took over in that first quarter, wasn't he? He was phenomenal and um, mm. can't wait, absolutely can't wait for this week um, to host the Chiefs in, in Highmark. Um, uh, finally, I suppose, in a playoff game. It'd be the first time in a playoff game. We know <laughs> the Bills beat them during the regular season at, on their home deck, so um, let's hope history repeats and we get the um, the mouth watering AFC Championship game um, against the Ravens, but um, you know both teams have to win first, and it's a um, but you know they they really should have won and, and won comfortably, which they did. They they took care of business. The Steelers, we know, were under strength without TJ Watt, and um, we probably didn't expect them to be here again. But um, yeah, the drought continues for the Steelers, which uh, you know they're not used to. Um, um, I know we, you know, they haven't had a losing season, but um, they haven't won a playoff game for a little while now. And um, yeah, yeah, twenty it has been a while. Was yeah, eight, I think I read twenty seventeen. So it's it's still you know not as long as some other teams that we know. Obviously, um, yeah, we'll speak about sort shortly. But yeah, it's um, for a franchise like that, that's it's getting up there. And um, I don't know if they want to be that kind of team that you know just floats around that number seven seed and bows out and wildcard weekend every year. So um, it's phenomenal, the record that Tomlin and the Steelers have. But at some point, you've got, you got to make a move to either ascend or or you do drop back and, and try and rebuild through the draft. So it's mm. um, it's an interesting position they find themselves in. But I just read today that 
but Mike Tomlin will definitely see out his contract and be there again next year. But um, yeah, they're um, they're obviously got to make some big decisions over the off season. What they do with Kenny Pickett, etc. So we'll, we'll see what happens. There's some question marks for sure. There's some question marks for sure in, in Pittsburgh. But I think the the main thing is I talked about a bit of that squeaky bum syndrome uh, with the Steelers sort of mounting a comeback. But there was never. I don't think there was ever any doubt in my mind that Buffalo was still going to win that and win it fairly comfortably in the end. Um, While I don't think anyone expected that from the first minute to the last minute, the Bills were going to shut out the Steelers and just dominate completely. There was always a point where Pittsburgh, they're a proud franchise. They've got proud players. They were going to fight back at some stage. But I think the, the Bills... The Bills turn up to play. The Steelers didn't. It took them a while to get into the game and, and kind of build that. And from then on, you know, they kind of they, they had that period uh, in the second and third quarters where they kind of looked like they were they were showing a bit of heart and a bit of ticker and, and whatever. But even when they did that, you could see that the Bills had kind of stepped back a gear and um, not maybe not put the cue in the rack, but yeah, they they were saving some. They were saving some. They're playing within themselves, and and I think that you know they kind of just rolled home in the end, um, and you know it, it just goes to show that you know finishing the season strong and getting your your team in the best position possible, you know a, a two seed winning the division and a two seed and and getting a home run like that um, is so valuable, and and the Bills have kind of finished the year perfectly, and you know they got a couple couple more to go. But um, they, they certainly look as good a chance as, as just about anyone at the moment, the way that they're playing and the way Josh Allen played um, and has played for the last two months has been has been pretty phenomenal. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The only concern, obviously, I have is we did have another um, string of injuries happen. Um, it seems to be kind of the curse this year for the Bills with the, with the injuries, especially on defence, again, um, losing our key cornerbacks, so... Which you know doesn't look like that any of them potentially could play this week, which would be a massive, massive blow. Um, yeah, Taron Johnson, Christian Benford, and then um, Terrell Bernard's probably the big one for me, the linebacker who um, was was kind of terrorising the Steelers at the start of that game. But um, yeah, hopefully they can they can kind of suit up or we get a couple of them back. But um, we're going to need all hands on deck uh, on the defense to help mm. um, get over the Chiefs. But obviously, it's probably not. Patrick Mahomes and the offense that scares me. It's more that that Chiefs defense. Yeah. Um, that's probably the, the thing to worry about. So, if Josh Allen can be Superman again and um, you know get a bit of revenge on Patrick Mahomes, that that would be ideal. But um, it's going to be tough work again, of course, against the Chiefs. And we know their ridiculous playoff record, um, especially since since Mahomes has um, come into the league. He's, he's already playing his sixteenth playoff game. This week, if you can believe Incredible, that. Incredible, isn't it? And it'll be his first Incredible. true road game, obviously. Super Bowls being on neutral sites, but it'll be his first ever game away from um, Arrowhead that is in a Super Bowl, which is just phenomenal. Astonishing, really. And, and I mean, it, it's taken a little while, but they did start to look a little bit more like the Kansas City Chiefs that we've become accustomed to. Obviously, like you said, they are better on defense than they have been for a long time. Um, it, it really is quite a scary defense. But I, I suppose, I think we spoke about um, you know, betting against Mahomes and and um, and the Chiefs in playoffs, and, and neither of us wanted to do that last week. But I think for anyone, you know, lesson learned. Um, but also, I guess anyone thinking that the, 
the Chiefs were going to be pushovers because it hasn't been their strongest their strongest year. Maybe not, but yeah, a team from from Southern Florida turning up into uh, Arrowhead in the middle of winter with uh, with snow and you know snowstorm. Ice. I mean, that, they were never going to win that game, were they, Miami? Dolphins. No, no. Look, I think um, you know. As soon as the kind of um, you know forecast came out, they were they were kicking themselves, Miami, because you know they should have been at home. They they had that division wrapped mm-hmm. up. They completely blew it, and and it's cost them a an early playoff exit again. And again, their playoff drought kind of continues. So another franchise that haven't won a playoff game for a very long time, a lot longer than the Steelers. But you know they. It, it, it kind of puts the question marks on tour a little bit going into the off season, but um, I think it's just you know that team isn't built for those conditions where you know mm. and, and and we know they were really banged up on defense and and um, as well, so they they had a tough task and um, coming into that game, but we saw some we saw signs of life from that Chiefs offense and you know Isaiah Pacheco it was his, it was a perfect game for him to kind of just run the ball into the ground, which he did. And then Rasheed Rice, who he's had a quietly a phenomenal season. Um, the rookie wide receiver had a had a huge day. Um, was clearly Patrick Mahomes' number one and has been pretty much the whole second half of the season with with Travis Kelsey's, I suppose, dr- drop in form, I don't want to say demise, because he, he still had quite a lot of catches and, and got the ball moving um, for the he's Chiefs. He's been early. distracted, that's all. Well, you can understand why. You can understand why, I suppose. You got the most famous woman in the world on your arm, and you know, um, cheering you on. But um, yeah, T Swizzle certainly a, probably a little bit of a distraction for for our boy Trav. But um, I think they'll come; they'll be all right. And um, you know, they're still going strong. That's the, that's the important part. But look, I think, um, like I said, the Chiefs—they've got a bit of work to go on the offense if they can want to keep up with the Bills, but I think that defense is the one and, and they can keep them in the game uh, this week. Huge, I mean, it's a, it's a huge matchup. It's a huge matchup. And I think both, yeah, I think in the second half of this season, the the Bills offense has exploded. I think that they've gotten, you know, they've, they've been much improved um, over the last kind of six or eight weeks. I think they made some changes in, in the front office and in the, in the coaching room. Um, and on the, on the other side, that Chiefs defense, like we've said, is, has certainly stepped up. Uh, in the absence, I guess, not so much an absence, but the, the regression of the standard Kansas City offense. Uh, I think most most teams would be pretty happy to have this Kansas City offense, but it's not the the Chiefs offense that we've we've seen over the last kind of six years or so. Um, but even still, they you know they're going to be tough, and it's it's a really good matchup against a really high powered offense and a supercharged defense. Um, and like we said, that's the difference for the Bills um, between. You know, having to go to, to Arrowhead and, and play this game or, or having to have gone there last week to play the Chiefs as opposed to having this this home game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, really, that, that's a drop ball for, for Miami because they should have played that at home in their own conditions. And they could have had, you know, with that sort of, with that sort of run, um, a much easier road to a, a potential Super Bowl. And, um, you know, they shot themselves in the foot as did a, another franchise that we'll, we'll talk about uh, at the end of this segment. But while we're on that topic of uh, an Eastern team, the Cowboys, the second best team in Texas, uh, we spoke last week 
I was almost going to say the third, but there's there's only two, <laughs> isn't there? So they have to be. <laughs> we we spoke last week about the potential for the Packers to to cause an upset there, and I mean I don't think either of us thought it would happen, but we were both mm, not like it did either. Like goodness me, that was a no, hammer. not like it did. We we both talked about the Packers at the line, but but they demolished the Cowboys in the, in that first two and a half quarters, and that game was over. And I know that it looks. It looks a lot closer Correct, than it actually yeah. was. You know, the final quarter, Dak Prescott, junk time. You know, typical Cowboys playoff performance, really. Um, game's dead and buried, and they decide to put up some stats. Hooray. Um, that game was over halfway through the second quarter. That was over. And I, that, it was shocking. It was the most shocking performance, I think, of that first week was what the Packers did to Dallas. For sure, for sure. I mean, 27-0 up. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan, the Niners coach, obviously said as well during his press conference that he started preparing for the Packers halfway through that second quarter. It was done. Yeah. Like, uh, the way that Dallas were playing and the way, you know, Green Bay were just doing whatever they wanted and it was a really indictment on, on Dallas. But, you know, massive kudos to, to Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love. They came in with a plan, obviously, um, you know, winning the toss and, and taking the ball down the field and marching it right down Dallas's throat in the first first quarter. And, you know, the, they, they chewed up half a quarter. They ran the ball down Dallas's throat, as I mentioned. Jordan Love connected on some really, really nice passes. You know what? His number one receiver didn't even have a catch. Jaden Reed yeah. didn't even have a catch, but other guys stepped up. We saw the, the two tight ends, the two rookie tight ends have big games. Romeo Dobbs went off for his, his greatest game in his career he'd never had over 100 yards and went off for 150 in um a playoff game aaron jones all of a sudden looks like the aaron jones of a couple of years ago after doing absolutely nothing all season being injured yeah. for most of it but he was phenomenal and and again that packers um o-line did the trick and then the defense was just lights out i mean yeah Dak's second the 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 pick six was real bad. The, the, the first interception by Jair Alexander was phenomenal. That was just a, an unbelievable play by a, a very talented um, lineman. But um, the, second, the second interception was all on Dak. And um, unfortunately, he just, again, shut the bed in, in the big stage. And, and Mike McCarthy himself looked like a deer in headlights, didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the indictment goes on to Dan Quinn and that defense. I think... Um, they were just awful, absolutely awful. And, um, you know, for, for a defence that has kind of been boasting themselves as the best in the league and um, the way they played during the, the, the regular season, that was just a, a shocking, shocking result. Uh, and, and, and so surprising of how it kind of happened, but it was just um, a phenomenal effort by the Packers. And... It, it certainly shook things up. It certainly shook things up going into um, Wild Card Weekend because, you know, we we, we, caught, we thought we knew, you know, the, the favourites would easily sneak through. But, yeah, that, that certainly shook some things up and, and showed you that any team can beat anyone on their day. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, the, the great thing about this game was just how efficient they were, the Packers, on, on both sides of the ball. I mean, Jordan Love, no interceptions, um, you know, 16 of 21, uh, and just was so, was so solid, was so solid. Um, and then on, on defense, like you said, the, 
you know, they have four or five sacks, a couple of takeaways of their own, and and just they did everything so efficiently and so it was almost like it was almost like they walked out there expecting a win. Like they had that it was like they had that mentality that they were the number one seed. They're the Super Bowl favorites and they're just gonna go and do a job. Like it wasn't it wasn't flashy, it wasn't like it was so matter of fact the way that they dismantled the Dallas Cowboys. It was so matter of fact and so systematic that it just looked normal. And that was the most it was almost the most shocking thing. Um, but you're right. It really has, it really has shaken things up. I know that the line, uh, for that Niners game is at nine and a half, but I'll tell you what, as good as the Niners are, you can't look at that Packers performance and go, they're out of this game. Um, they've, they've proven that they can beat a, a high powered quality team. Um, and you know, sometimes it is those underdogs that, that get the job done. So you wouldn't be counting them out um no in terms you, you of... certainly wouldn't be going in to this game well i i wouldn't be going in going taking a 10 point or a nine and a half point start on the niners you know i know as, as dominant as they've been and i think they're a far far better team than the cowboys but yeah. they didn't play their starters in week 18 um they've had another bot you know another week off this week mm-hmm. um the back is going to be full of confidence and yeah it's always a it's always an iffy one when you, you've had that week off, and especially if you like like the Ravens, you know, rested some key starters in week eighteen. You've essentially had two weeks off. It's um, yeah, yeah, it's a big gap. Yeah, it is, and and we will touch on that uh, a little bit later on. Uh, in terms of a, another near upset, um, although we spoke about it last week, and it wouldn't have been that much of an upset. But I thought the Rams had the Lions there with with four or five minutes to go. I thought the Rams. There was third down and fourth down. I think they kind of just, they choked the Rams. They they had that game there for the taking and they shut the bed. The Lions deserved winners, it must be said. I think they were better for the majority of the game. But the Rams, well, they said, mm. the Rams in the end probably should have won it. Um, if they were a little bit more efficient, um, they probably exactly. would have and should have. Um, and, you know, the Lions would have, would have been at home crying about Another year added to that playoff loss streak, um, but winners are grinners, and you know their streak is broken. Losers can please themselves, but yeah, look, I think um, you, you're spot on, and the Rams probably completely owned that second half, especially. I mean, the, the Lions started hot; they they jumped out to that um, 14 nothing lead or 14 three lead, and and really set the game up there, didn't they? And and you thought you know they were going to continue that way, but the Rams' defense, to their credit, really stiffened up in the second half. Um, they couldn't really get much going on the ground in the second half at all. Uh, the Lions, which were they were, you know, doing so easily early on in the game, but um, like you said, it came down to the, to the red zone and and they had to settle for field goals. Yep. Um, the Rams um, zero from three in the um, the red zone for the Rams, while the Lions went three from three, and that was a key difference, obviously. And um, you know, in saying that, the Lions. D was 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 fantastic to to keep them out of the end zone and Aiden Hutchinson has just become just an absolute beast, mm-hmm. hasn't he? he? He's kind of taken over the last few weeks for the Lions and he'll again need to do that um, this week. But um, yeah, it was great to see Detroit. Obviously, you know there was a lot of relief, a lot of 
um, emotion, I suppose, in that building with uh, Matthew Stafford coming back. He was wasn't greeted too nicely, was he? But <laughs> it's probably what we expect. And um, Jared Goff got the hero kind of um, welcome and and an exit, of course, with with that win. So, look, it was um, it was nice to see the the Lions get the job done and. Um, a very dangerous Rams team's um, season comes to an end, and but you know I think you know I think you and I both said after you know last year they were they were nowhere yeah. weren't they last year yeah. and we saw Matthew Stafford injured and and looked like he was really struggling. He's he all, all of a sudden looks as healthy and as fit as he's been, and he's got two unbelievable um, you know well sorry second you've got a second year player in Kyron Williams and then a an unbelievable rookie who completely took over and looked like he was going to rip the game away from the Lions and in Puka Nakua. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal effort by him and what a season from the, the young wide receiver, but um, just didn't have enough um, in the in the red zone, wasn't mm. it? And that was the key difference. But um, you had another couple of pieces on defence for the Rams to help out AD, who we know he's getting a bit older. They're going to be right in the conversation to... To be a, a divisional threat for the Niners next year, which um, you know they sorely need the Niners, yeah. they've kind of owned that NFC West for the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, watch this space on the on the Rams. They'll be back again, bigger and stronger next year. But the Lions move on, and um, the fairy tale kind of continues. Yeah, it was a bit of the the game as a whole was a bit of a, a microcosm of both of those two team seasons, right? Like the the maddening inconsistency of the Rams and you know sometimes they play amazing football and like you said the impact of of uh Puka Nakua and and also Tutu Atwell in in you know he's still a young man too um added to to Kyron Williams and and obviously we know what Cooper Cup can do on his day um and, and Matthew Stafford but they haven't always put it together this season you know there's been some there's been some really frustrating performances out of LA and and on the other side, Detroit kind of shows they started to show us last year what they could what they could be um, combination of defense and, and offense. And this year took that to another level and and kind of come out of the blocks firing and then kind of drop the bundle. And and you know, so many times we've seen them get away with with wins um, where really they're in a position to lose and, and they kind of stole a few. Um, but it kind of. I think it, it really showed where both these franchises are at. Um, you know, the Lions are, are on that trajectory. They're getting better each year. They have for the last few, uh, and, and they're going to continue getting better. The Rams are frustrating. They can they can be really good, and they can be really bad. Um, and they started out super slow. It took them a little while to get into it. And, um, you know, the, the Rams, uh, sorry, the Lions were able to take advantage of that, especially early uh, with those red zone uh entries and touchdowns early but they worked their way back in and, and showed some experience and that combination of, of experience and energy um it can be really exciting uh, but they ultimately weren't quite good enough to, to get the job done and um, that's about i think where the rams are at um one other quick talking point out of that game was the 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 no call on tyler higby who mm. got hit hit low um and it turns out that he's actually Injured his ACL, which it, is, it was which is ugly. a bit of blow for the it Rams. Was ugly. It was a really, really ugly hit. And to, for that not to be flagged, I know you were bleeding. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was, you were probably fair, fairly 
you know, completely within your rights. I think there should have been obviously a, a flag on that play. That was a dirty hit, and um, I think there was another no call straight after that. One, that was yeah, about pretty iffy a minute as well. later. Ticky tack. So yeah. had a handful of had a handful of jersey, handful of jersey. How that wasn't pi, I have no idea. But, uh... the, the the refs wanted to get out of Detroit alive, <laughs> I think. Um, but look, there yeah, that was a really nasty hit, and a, and like I said, a really unfortunate thing for Tyler Higby, who you know had a had a probably quiet season from his standards, but um, yeah, he's a that's a disappointing um, result for him. Mm. Injured ACL on a on a pretty yeah pretty nasty hit on the on the. Um, on the knee. Well, like you said, the refs refs are probably lucky that the um, crime rates can stay historically low in Detroit for another week. <laughs> um, uh, I really don't want to talk about what's coming next. It's so depressing. Um, we talked about it. Well, we talked about it all last yeah. week that it almost felt like there was no chance that the Eagles were going to beat the Bucks in Florida. Um, and the fact that they were favourite you know, two and a half, three points all week. Staggering, wasn't it? Was it was staggering. And, and mm. uh, I know I said it last week that I was all over the Bucks, but y- you know that I don't bet on Eagles games. And I just, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, but that was, was money to be made. That was so, so depressing. We, the Eagles looked nowhere near Awful. it all game. Like nowhere near it. They didn't look like a playoff team. Um, they obviously just limped there. Um, Compared to where they were, you know, eight weeks ago. But oh boy, yeah, some it's 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 going to be a tough it's going to be a tough tough off season in Philadelphia. I think it it really is, and you know, I think um, you summed it up there with the with the um, anguish in your voice. It, it just didn't ever look like likely, did it? I mean, Tampa Bay started off um, looked like they could move the ball. As freely and as easily they, as you'd they like. They carved up that defense. Once you held him to a field goal. Yeah, once you held him to a field goal in that first possession, I'm like, okay, you can kind of hang in there and, you know, do something on offense yourselves. But, you know, once you, you know, straight away, it was a three and out. It, was, it just looked bad from, from, from the offensive side as well. And But the, the way the Bucks just marched down the mm-hmm. field, I mean, and you made Baker Mayfield look like a... I don't know, but he he, he looked great. He I mean, look the like receivers. Just, yeah, but the the secondary is just just given up, haven't mm-hmm. they? And I mean, some of the missed tackles were just laughable yep. and 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 embarrassing, and they were running into each other, and it was just a yeah, it was, would have been a hard watch for for Philly fans. And um, disappointingly, you just got nothing going on offense either. I mean, mm-hmm. once you scored that touchdown and, and kind of got back into the game, you thought. Hang on, here we go. But um, yeah, the, the, obviously the tush push miss, um, and then followed that by a quick to start the quarter. Or sorry, um, the next quarter there was that safety which Jalen Hurst just just doesn't didn't release the ball. I don't know. He had so much time to get rid of that ball, and he just held on to it. And, and, he, De- and Devonta Smith was there. He just he just couldn't he just couldn't get him. Thankfully, he did have Devonta Smith. I mean, you would have been. Mm completely shot without him. Um, he had a huge yeah. game, but I don't know. They just didn't feed DeAndre Swift enough, I don't think. I mean, you've you got to lean on your offensive line. It's one of your big strengths, if not the biggest strength of your team. Um, get him behind them, run the ball. I mean, credit to to um, the Tampa Bay front seven. He did a really good job of mm-hmm. of um, getting after Jalen Hurts. and, and um, But... 
yeah, highly disappointing. I don't know what to make of Hertz's regression, I, I suppose you'd call it, but um, I think it comes down to the coaching and, and potentially the attitude of the players. I don't know what's changed, yeah. but um, it's really, I know it's, it's hard to say, but, you know, it's really hard to see Nick Sirianni coming back from this. Um, the way it kind of blew up in his face. And um, we know Philly are pretty quick and pretty ruthless on um, on the decisions, on, especially when it comes to to head coaches. We know Chip Kelly didn't get long. We know Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl and then got fired pretty quickly after that. So, um, yeah, what do you think about the uh, coaching situation? Obviously, Sirianni lost his two coordinators at the end of last year, but it didn't look like it mm. had kind of affected him or the team when you were 10 and one, but I don't know what's changed. It's hard to put your finger on what, what kind of blew up. And um, yeah, it's, it's just such a sad situation for you because like you said, they just didn't look like a playoff team. It looked like a complete mismatch in that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. It did. It looked like, it looked like men against kids and it was, I, I don't know. I don't know where it's fallen apart. I mean, clearly, even at 10-1, they still didn't look like the same Philadelphia Eagles of last season. You know, they they lost one game, and even that was, you know, it's a tough a tough loss that Jets that Jets lost. Um, but there was just something about them that didn't look right. It didn't feel right. Um, I think, I think what kept them what kept them winning in that first half of the season was Nick Sirianni and, and I think that he was able to kind of get them past whatever the changes were in, in, in both both rooms, whether it was um, you know, offense or defense. Um, and clearly they then went and made more changes on, on defense as well. They, they took the play calling away from Sean Desai and gave it to uh, Matt Patricia, and which was a, a strange move in itself and, and they kind of kept Desai in that defensive coordinator role at least as a label anyway, um, but had Patricia on the sidelines calling plays. It was just, just a really weird, really weird situation and season and one that I'm not really sure what to make of. I, I do think I, I would be surprised if Nick Sirianni gets sacked now, um, but I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm, I'm not sure. There are some good coaches available. Obviously, Mike Vrabel's a good coach. We talk, talk, talked about him Last week, um, you know, a lot at what a good coach Mike Vrabel is and, and you know, he'll get a job without a doubt. Um, and, and I think if there was one guy that, that I'd want to bring in if, if Sirianni was gone, that it'd, it'd be him. But I don't know, man. It's there's, I think it was more than coaching. I, I feel like it was, you know, they, they lost a bit of the soul. It was it was very unfilly like that, that even when, you know, even when they were winning, they still weren't playing with passion. They weren't playing with heart and that kind of ferocity. Um, and they were never able to really find it all season, which was just a bizarre for a you know a team coming in as one of the the two or three Super Bowl favorites. Um, it was just a really really strange season. There's going to be a lot of soul searching um, in Philly over this off season. It's going to be a really interesting process to see what happens coming up but like you said all credit to the bucks i mean they were phenomenal um you know we, we talked about the packers being efficient and and the bucks were efficient you know super efficient on offense super efficient on defense they did everything that that was asked of them and and a little bit like the packers they just did it systematically they were they were very it, it looked easy for them um 
and then, you know that they rolled up, they did the job, and they went home and and on and on to another week. Um, defensively, we know how good they've been for for a while. Uh, I haven't seen Baker Mayfield play a game like that uh, for a little while. Obviously, you know when things when things weren't working with with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you kind of turned to Kate Otten and, and he had his best game of the season um, and just kept the chains moving. But like you said, they just kept, they kept finding a way, whether it was Richard White on the ground or, or finding Kate Otten or in the first quarter, it was, um, it, it was Mike Evans on a couple of occasions and, and just, you know, getting those, those eight, eight or nine chunk yard plays and, uh, you know, just moving, just moving the chains and marching down the field and putting points on the board. Like that's, that's all they needed to do, and that's what they did. If not for those, you know, few easy drops as well from Otten and, yeah, and some of the receivers, right. they would have just completely demolished you guys. Um, well, within did. that first half, even like yeah. put the game away in that first half, like the Packers did. But mm. um, you guys, you know, from the benefit of the doubt, just got to hang around for that that second half. But yeah, I, I just you just didn't look likely, and it was a a really comprehensive. Um, Victory in the end for the Bucks, who you know have done better and, and won more regular season games and advance in the playoffs under Baker Mayfield compared to what they did with Tom Brady last year. So, um, yeah, fantastic effort from um, from Mayfield to kind of rebuild his or re, re, you know restamp himself in the in the league and, and kind of give himself a um, at least some some longevity in this league and, and with that franchise now. Now a couple of other talking points I think before we before we move on to I guess the the next segment but um, a couple of goodbyes obviously talking about Philly but Jason Kelsey finally called it quits and he's been talking about it for a couple of years obviously the the heart and soul of, of that Philadelphia Eagles team and and that's going to be a hard that's going to be a hard thing to to replace I think um, I think he played at still a pretty high level you know, I reckon he was still a top five center in the league this season, um, you know, Jason Kelsey's a really, really good player and probably still underrated. I know some people talk about maybe he's overrated because of the media stuff and the podcast and, and Travis and you know, a bunch of all these other things. But I think as a, yeah, at his position, there aren't many better and there haven't been many better for a decade. Um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard shoes to fill for, for the Eagles. Um, and another goodbye that I think people also been whispering about for a couple of years was Derek Henry kind of took the mic at, at Tennessee and, and basically said goodbye to the fans. What did you make of that? Yeah. Well, firstly on, on your man, Jason Kelsey, who's been, yeah, like a, just a complete rock for that franchise for so long. And we know his legendary Super Bowl or sorry, celebration um, speech after the Super Bowl win will go down in history, but yeah, what a, what a hero he's been. And, and honestly, one of the, one of the, um, great centers of all time for sure, and and like you said, I think one of the the better blokes to come out of the the league as well by the by the look of him um, from the outside. But yeah, of course, it was the writing was probably on the wall once Derrick Henry said goodbye to the fans. But it sounds like he he wants to be a free agent, or we'll take that up um, this off season. And and Dallas are already kind of the the suitor potentially to get another big body back in to help Tony Pollard, who probably had a really disappointing second half of the season after mm. after starting well, but um, yeah, I could see that kind of fit for Derrick Henry. But it sounds like he's definitely looking to to sign for a contender. Um, so maybe he's better off staying away from Dallas. But um, <laughs> he he certainly won't be in Tennessee, and that's going to be a, a franchise that are going through a bit of change 
um, yeah. coming up. But um, yeah, it'll be, you know, I'm sure Jason Kelsey won't be the only one kind of um, moving on from the Eagles this off season. Mm. No, I think, I think you're right. Uh, there's already whispers about AJ Brown, obviously gone through a bit of a social media cleanse by the look uh, during the week, <laughs> um, which is just an astonishing situation really. But um, just on, on Derek Henry and, and Dallas potentially really disappointing season from Tony Pollard. I think, you know, a guy who, who, you know, took us to a, a fantasy, a fantasy win last year, uh, Tony Pollard really was, was one of the rocks of our, our squad in the second half of, of the season. Um, to, to, I think, you know, give us the sort of performances that, that we saw this year out of him. It, it really does show that the Cowboys do want a big bodied back. You know, they went from DeMarco Murray to Zeke and, um, you know, they want, they want that big body who's just going to bulldoze people. And Tony Pollard isn't that guy. He's, he's fleet footed, he's quick, he's elusive and whatever, but he doesn't play that Dallas Cowboy, you know, big shoulder, big hips, you know, downhill runner um, that that they've had for for a while, and and it does feel like maybe that's a I don't know something that they're going to look at this off season. And I don't know Derek Henry in, in Dallas is a little bit scary, but um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it looks like they um, there's a mutual interest there for sure. We spoke last week about the Pats probably being the ideal landing spot for, for Mike Rabel. Little did we know that it, they obviously had their succession plan already in-house and in motion. Um, I think they announced Jared Mayo about 12 hours after we um, after we recorded. There were a few changes straight after we after we recorded within a couple of hours. Pete Carroll said goodbye and a few other a few other bits and pieces. But um, yeah, it was it was just interesting from the Pats. I'll put it that way. Yeah, look, uh, obviously they, they think very highly of him and um, he's been in the system for a very long time and he's he's seen the ups and the downs, I suppose, now of that of that franchise, which, you know, should hold him in good stead taking over taking over the reins. But uh, look, obviously the biggest shoes to fill of all time. So uh, I certainly don't envy him. He's coming he's gonna be the youngest coach in the league. Uh, just slightly, I think a couple of months younger than Sean McVay, I believe. So yeah, congratulations, Jared Mayo. But uh, yeah, the Pats kept that pretty quiet, didn't they? That succession plan, and I'm not sure too many, even in the media, knew how that was going to play out um, with with Bill leaving. And I'll quickly throw this one to you, mate. Does he stay in the league? Yes or no? Next year, will he be coaching a, another NFL franchise? You think he is? Yeah, I think he will. I think he. Will. I think someone will. Someone will throw a, a bit of a hail mary, and and and. Bill will go. How many um, years has he got? Like he's seventy-two. Not long. Not long. Not long. It's it's a, a contender or someone who feels they're a contender. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't you don't bring in Bill Belichick if you don't think you can win a, a title within two or three years. No, I suppose. Yeah, you know, he's not there for the rebuild, is he? And um, you know, I know that's he's right. already interviewed with or spoken to with Lanza, which yeah, doesn't quite feel strange. right for me. Yeah, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But, um, I, I was very surprised when I was, I mean, you don't you don't often see teams kind of touting their interviewers or interviewees on social media, but the Falcons to um to do a whole graphic about interviewing Bill Belichick was interesting. Um, but I man that yeah, ruined your that, franchise. That would be super. That would be that would be a super strange move, I think, for both 
for yeah, both, for parties. both parties. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't kind of see it. And even Jim Harbour, I always forget how to, I yeah. always don't know how to Harbour. 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 I never know how to pronounce his bloody name. But um, look, he he's obviously um, the latest kind of guy to go there down there as well. But I think it sounds like the Chargers is potentially his landing spot. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Really interesting coaching kind of moves coming up, with with so many vacancies as well. Like, I mean, and could be could be some more, right? Could that's right. Yeah, we're exactly right. I mean, we we've just seen two. You know, the NFC East could have three new coach, three new coaches. Um, Brian Dable might be the the long standing one, if you can believe that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that would be phenomenal. But. Look, it's 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 a it's a big change coming in the off season. So a lot of storylines still to, to play out. Tough tough spot in New England for a rookie coach to come in and try and rebuild that franchise. Well, what really do you tough. do? What do you do if I, you're I don't know. at GM? Do you at number th- you're picking at number three? Do you take a quarterback? I think they're almost obliged to. But there's a lot of I think they have to. They, yeah. There's a lot of needs for the Patriots. That's, Yes, um, you know, and, they and need, this they need some be help a... on the offensive line. They need help on defense. They need skill players. They need. This is not a. This is not everything. a one-year rebuild. No, this is not a one-year rebuild. This is this is three or four years of. But if you can some pain, yeah, I think it's very interesting because obviously it it really depends on what the Bears do. If the Bears take Marvin Harrison or you know trade down and you know they don't take a quarterback, then I think the Patriots will have to have to mm. take either Caleb Williams or, or Drake May or whoever's available at number three. You're getting a good top-end talent um, either way from either of those two players, and there's still a couple that you'd put ahead of, of Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones right now as well. So yeah, I, I still think Mac Jones could be a good quarterback in his league. I think um, he definitely does need some help protecting him, and he, he needs some skill players to fucking throw to mm. too. It would help, but he, he certainly did kind of fall apart this season I suppose so it's whether or not the guy can build his confidence back up and um, you know but maybe maybe um, Mayo might be the one to kind of help him help him do that have that they might have a good connection so yeah it's it's, it's a very interesting off season coming up and 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 what do you do if you like I know we haven't even spoke about him but the the, the, the Raiders like do you, do you keep yeah. Antonio Pierce it sounds like yeah yeah, sounds like they want to, but but it sounds like a couple of other franchises are looking at Antonio Pierce as well. So, yeah, yeah, really interesting. Very very. Uh, quick look at the playoff power rankings. Obviously, we've lost the Cowboys, Dolphins, Browns, Rams, Eagles, and Steelers from the teams that uh, that lined up uh, or, or finished Week Eighteen, I should say. Um, and so we head into the division round, divisional round, I should say, with one and two, the same as last week, the Baltimore Ravens and San Francisco 49ers. The Buffalo Bills still at three, which I think is fair. And there it gets a little bit interesting because previously I had the Detroit Lions, the next live team, and I think I've skipped over them with the Kansas City Chiefs to, to sneak into the four spot with Detroit in five. What do you make of that? Uh, look, I can I can see why you've done that. I think they were probably the more impressive team in in wildcard weekend over the Lions but uh, I certainly give the Lions a lot bigger chance to progress to a championship game than I do the Chiefs but um, 
yeah, I, 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 I can't argue with that. You could have them flip-flopping either way. But to, to round out the remaining three, the Green Bay Packers, Houston Texans, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, would you have them in, any different? It's really interesting that you've, you've jumped the Green Bay Packers up that high, but I, I, you probably have to after that that impressive performance, I suppose. And um, and and similar to the to the Texans, you probably have to jump them ahead of the Bucks just for the sheer fact that who they beat and and the Bucks literally didn't have to really do too much to win their game. So uh, look, I, I think the out of those three teams, the Bucks are probably the most likely to potentially win. Um, but that's because I've just got extreme faith in in the two number one seeds. I think it'd be a it'd be an absolute shock or a bigger shock than it was obviously than last week if the Packers can go in and beat the Niners and and the same for the for the Texans going into Baltimore. So uh, I give the Bucks a, the biggest chance out of those three teams. So yeah, look, um, but I can can understand why you've got um, them where you do. So you probably probably bang on. Uh, the only change I'd probably make is. Is Detroit ahead of the Chiefs, but um, yeah, pretty pretty bang on, I think, mate. That's fair. That's fair. Um, as we look ahead to the next week, obviously we've only got four games to go this week, uh, and then we're at the real pointy end of the season. You talk about having immense. Uh, I don't know what was what was the word you use? Um, yeah, immense faith in, in the two number one seeds. I want to, to read you this little stat that I found a bit earlier. It is from last season, and so the numbers have changed slightly. Uh, this was a quote I read somewhere on Yahoo, I think it was. It said, according to the Action Network, teams that are on the road in the divisional round after missing the playoffs entirely in the prior season are 26-12 and 12 against the spread. Now, that's from last season. If I go back and have a think to what happened this time last year. I think that now makes the record 27 and 13 uh, because I have a feeling that the the Eagles demolished the Giants and I think the Chiefs were they I think they won by 7. So I think they I think they won by 7 and I think they may just have not beaten the spread against the Jags from memory. Um So I have that at twenty-seven and thirteen now. But does that does that change your thinking for either the Ravens or the Niners? No, I I don't. I'm not too worried about the spreads in um, in the playoffs, uh, especially when they're you know such big kind of numbers. Um, we know playoff games more so than, than regular season games, you, you're likely more to put the cue in the rack there. So I'm not too worried about the spread. I think they're the clear, clear standouts, and I'd be absolutely gobsmacked if, if either Houston or Green Bay can, can get near these two teams. I think um, the line's probably exactly right. Um, although, you know, with a line that big, you, you always do kind of favour the outsider a little bit, especially after seeing what both of those teams did mm. last week. And that's the only kind of question mark for me again is Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy both haven't played for a couple of weeks. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey was a little bit banged up um, at the end of the regular season. The Texans and the Packers have kind of got this confidence and air of confidence coming mm. off such a high. Uh, but look, I think again, I think the class will come through 
providing everyone stays upright and we don't have any key injuries to any of the major players. I think um, Baltimore and San Francisco advance and and they both do it pretty comfortably. Yeah, I, I think they'll I think they'll both win. Um, I think if I had to pick one, mm, here we this go. might be a little bit controversial. If I if I had to pick one upset, you take the Packers. No. Okay. No, and I I don't Texans. know why. I don't really have. I don't really have any logic to it. Only it's just a, a gut feel. And I, you know, you spoke about um, Lamar and his playoff record at, at the top yep. of the show. True. Um, I don't know. I think there's still some playoff question marks about the Baltimore Ravens. I think, you know, we know what the Niners can do at, at this end of the season. They've they've been doing it, you know, for a while now. Um, and I, I don't know. I, no, I, don't know. I can see that, but. The reason why I, I think that Baltimore are a much safer or stronger prospect this year is that even if Lamar plays shit, that that defense can can cover him, and and that defense has been phenomenal, yeah. and they can ride that defense all the way to the Super Bowl this year. So, yeah. and, and 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 similarly to the to the Niners, they could probably do the same if if Purdy gets hurt again, or if he mm. has a has a game like he did. In the middle of the year against um, against the Vikings, where he was throwing, you know, quite a lot of interceptions. But look, I think um, when it comes down to it, they're both a class above their opponents this week. So, yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I, I can completely see where you're coming from around um, Houston, especially with with a guy like CJ Stroud. So. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. That would shake things up and certainly clear a path for the Buffalo Bills. It would, um, wouldn't it? But, but we need to win first as well. So <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, anyway. that is another question. We'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, look, I, yeah, I think, I think the Niners, I think the Niners are a better rounded football team. And I think that they've got a chip on the shoulder from last season and I think that they just rock up and get the job done a little bit like the Packers did last week I think that the the Niners might bring them back down to reality uh, although I wouldn't I wouldn't be against having a little play on both those teams the, the Texans and the Packers at the, at the line given it is nine and a half um, you know it's a, it's a pretty juicy it's a pretty juicy line for, for two teams that did what they did on the weekend so I'll probably have a little play at, at at Houston and Green Bay at that nine and a half point line. And certainly if it gets out any further, um, but nine and a half is, is pretty juicy. Uh, so I'll have a little play on that. Uh, and then on Monday, Australian Eastern, 7am Tampa Bay at Detroit, followed by Kansas City at Buffalo in a blockbuster to end the week. Yeah, they've saved the best for last. Well, well certainly the, the closest game on paper and, and with how the books have got it as well, of course. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a fitting finale to to a, an unbelievable divisional round. So, um, again, spread over two days, which um, works perfectly. You've got back to back games on on both Sunday and Monday. So, what better way to spend your mornings, well, afternoon on Sunday as well? Yeah, it it does shape up to be a really interesting, fun, enjoyable divisional round. I think there's so many. There's so many kind of narratives for, for all of these games. Um, you know, Buffalo again that you know just talked uh, before about San Francisco having that chip on the shoulder. Buffalo's playing at the moment like they've got a chip on their shoulder. 
Um, and I think they get it done. I'm going to find it. I, I don't think I'll bet that game because I don't... I said it last week, betting against Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and all these guys in the playoffs is just a recipe for disaster. But I think Buffalo get it done. And um, I think if I had to go Buffalo, Baltimore in a championship game, I'm probably going Buffalo at the moment. So, um, yeah. Yeah, big one. But... Um, what are the what are the I guess things you're looking forward to out of those two those two Monday games? Well, I think yeah, I, I comes down to they're both my teams. So like, look, I've got an AFC interest <laughs> and an NFC interest here. No, look, I think um, especially the the finale there, the, the Bills, the revenge game, I suppose for Josh Allen who gets a shot at Patrick Mahomes again uh, in the playoffs, and you know after we we saw those two phenomenal games in particular a couple of years ago in that AFC Championship game. So, like I said, I get, he gets to, to be the host. They get We get to host this time. The conditions are going to be a little bit better, I think, than they were last week for both teams. Excuse me. But, uh, look, they're obviously both quite uh, adapt to playing in the cold. And um, I think that it's going to come down to, yeah, hopefully that we can get some, some players back um, on defence because... Uh, it might be a low-scoring affair. I know it, we always expect these shootouts between those two teams, but it could be a bit more of a, a low-scoring affair with the defences kind of shining through. Uh, and then, of course, um, Detroit and Tampa. Who would have thought that would be a divisional round game at the start of the season? Um, huge opportunity for Detroit. They haven't been to a, a title game in 30 years, so... Um, I really hope they can they can do it for their fans and um, again another game in Detroit as well. So crime rates will hopefully stay down as well and um, and Eminem and the and the crew will all come out. I again. think it makes a huge difference. I mean, we look at at Miami and Kansas City last week. I think this is pretty pretty similar, right? Detroit in winter, um, yeah, Florida kind of warm weather team coming into into the cold. I think it's it's a really tough a really tough matchup for for Tampa Bay. They had their way with them earlier this season too, Detroit. They um, they completely shut down Baker Mayfield and, and um, that offense and, and won very comfortably. Well, so did the Eagles. Though. Well, that's that's, that's <laughs> a good point. But um, the Bucks are a much better team now than they were in the first half of the season. That's, that's, that's for sure. That's also true. Um, but no, I think I think you're right. I think uh, I think we're probably on the same page there with Detroit in terms of tips for for the other games. Uh, Houston, Baltimore. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm going out on a limb and, and keeping the Ravens in this one. <laughs> <laughs> same here, uh, although I think it might be closer than nine and a half. Yep. Uh, Green Bay at San Francisco. Yeah, I think like I said, I think the class class edge again there. So San Francisco will get that done. I agree. Although I'll probably also be having <laughs> a play on the the Packers line there. Uh, Tampa Bay at Detroit. Yep, go the Lions. Detroit and Chiefs at Buffalo. And again, uh, hoping the the home team can win. So uh, all home teams would be into the AFC Championship game. Also, the Championship weekend, I think. So Buffalo for me, fingers crossed. Same here. So all round, home teams and favourites tipped for the Championship games. Um, any final thoughts before we? Finish this one up. What are we going to do for the next fifteen minutes? Um, it's only been an hour and five minutes. Yeah, so uh, we, I mean, we we'll can make we, we can just say we can just say go Bills for the next fifteen if you want. Oh, we could do that. 
Uh, nah, good, good chat, mate. And um, I think, um, yeah, I think we're in for even better um, divisional round this weekend. So long may the good football continue and go Bills. I'm on the bandwagon with you for the next couple of weeks. Go Bills. Yeah.